0: Oh, that's I think we're live now and like uh I was uh just talking uh to our guest earlier. We're going to have a cool intro right here. It's going to be like our logo fading in and some some neat shit coming in next week. Until then, it's just us.
1: Uh, <laughs> As always. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um so this is uh episode 16. Um where we're going to continue to fulfill our dream of drinking online and uh and talking about brewing and, and beer and all things brewing related. So, a and few later. weeks ago, yeah, well <laughs> thanks for calling me on, on that on cider uh, a few weeks ago uh we had an episode 11 uh we tied talking about hard cider um from our home brewers perspective uh, and i think uh professor brian was being very knowledgeable in laying down the cider floor uh but during that episode one of our viewers popped up uh christine lee i think is, is who it was and she started giving a shout out to andrew blake uh from blake's Hard cider uh, and thanks to that shout out, we're able to get connected with Andrew. And uh, that kind of got my introduction going. And now we're very excited to have him on the show tonight. Uh, talk thing, all things cider, learn more about Blake's hard cider story. Uh, so, that said, let's bring him in. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks for
2: hey guys. joining us
0: tonight. Yeah. It's a man.
2: Thanks for having
0: us. Yeah, so I should really say uh, thanks to Christine uh, you know, for <laughs> doing this. <laughs>
2: Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> so, family, show guys, and, and yeah, I want to say thank you for just supporting the the industry at large because you know, especially now more than ever, um, we need people to um, you know talking about the industry, and um, you know, we can't be together like we like we normally are used to. So, you know, you guys doing what you do is awesome to kind of you know keep people engaged, keep the conversation going, and uh, you know, really happy to be on and have a few uh, beverages and, and talk about. So, yeah.
0: What so? What are you drinking right now? What's what's beverage? Number yeah,
2: one? actually, you know, in in honor of of um, and you guys are Kalamazoo boys, but hey. <laughs>
1: in
2: honor of you know the last week of summer, you know, being a being an apple farmer, you know, it's kind of you know Labor Day is really just you know summer's over, winter or, you know falls here and and some cool mornings and that's really when the apple harvest comes on so you know i think my summer's wrapping up here like like yesterday and um so I'm, I'm trying to you know embrace the last few moments of summer before it's full fall harvest for us so right on right on yeah yeah what about you guys what are you guys drinking
1: uh so before i crack open one of your uh, amazing ciders i got i just got a little homebrew ipa uh, i'm just about to down right here how about you jason so I I went hard
0: on this. So I, Andrew, we like to try to, to drink uh either the uh, the beer that the guests brews or something they recommend. Sure. Um you know and and so I went out and and cleared the shelf of Blake ciders. So I just started with uh the cans gone. I just started with a light. Yeah. Uh, uh your first light cider going to start easy. There we and, go. You know for a, a low calorie cider it's super super tasty. I'm
2: yeah. pulling out at random. Yeah, thank you. Oh, there you go. Um and the first cider uh, in the country, light cider, um, you know, really the emphasis behind that was we didn't want to jump into the seltzer route. You know, we're, we're farmers first and foremost. Our whole deal is being connected with the products that, that are in our products. Um, so we wanted to be fruit-based, something light. Um, and, uh, and, you know, this has been a great opportunity for us to still express the fruit and do it in a little bit more, um, you know, what we feel is a natural way. And, you know, kind of stay true to our roots, not go chasing trends. And it's worked out very well. Um, and we're having, you know, great success with it in about 20 different states. Um, so just really happy with the team that kind of stuck to stuck to their guns, you know, and didn't chase trends. And, um, you know, shouts out to our brewing team because they really pulled this product line together and were the ones that pitched it to us. So they wanted to do it. And, you know, it's not a bad thing every now and then, especially in the summers to, uh, you know, be watching, you know, watching the way. Along. and so um you know it definitely serves that purpose as well
0: so yeah no it's so yeah it's it's really light easy drinking uh yeah. quite a bit like a seltzer um mm-hmm. I, i'm glad you didn't go that route I, I, even though I, that's why i think
2: our next episode is going to be seltzers yeah, and, <laughs> a- <laughs> and, you know, and you know they serve a purpose nothing wrong but just for us our whole deal has been from our backyard that's our story you know we started the farm and uh my grandpa started it in 1946 um right on. 100 acre apple farm we're about a thousand acre fruit farm now um you know employ about 800 people and um wow. you know, our whole story is you know kind of from our backyard so you know what we try to do with any products we make whether it's farm products sweet cider you know hard cider or beer um you know we really try to be as close to the source of the ingredients as possible because um, that's kind of our heritage my dad at true farmers and uh you know our offices are are our trucks so you know we don't like we're not normal you know i guess so you know we work out of our trucks and it's kind of unorthodox but you know it's it's kind of what we're used to so you know a little bit of a different origin story compared to maybe some of the brewing brewing uh you know stories but not necessarily because you know all of those um you know all i think what really you know got craft beer obviously going was just the connection to to making and 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 to you know the ingredients going into it and you know the challenge of 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 pushing thoughts of how to use ingredients so um definitely a lot of parallels there um you know in a lot of ways
0: so were you uh were you ever a craft or a home brewer home cider maker before uh you guys broke into it as a business
2: yeah of course so i got the bug um you know it was about it was when i was at michigan state so um craft beer was really just as you know just recently 21 but craft beer kind of came into my world um whereas before and you know um you know it was just kind of natty ice and whatever (laughs) um and so you know as i kind of started to develop a palate or an interest started realizing how cool it was. I think I got inspired like everyone did. Um, and then, you know, just kind of looking at my trajectory of what I wanted to do kind of realized that, you know, we had this juice company, I had this farm and that if I could really learn, you know, how to homebrew cider, you know, I could pitch an idea to my dad and uncle um, who would maybe help support you know, this little tasting room that I was in. <laughs> yeah. And so I did what everyone does. I Googled, you know, like the most basic homebrew videos on how to make cider with like the apple juice and the sugar. And like, you know, you do, you do the You start super basic. So I did that. And traveling to other orchards and, and, and apple growers and cider makers that I knew. And, um, and they were super like, like the craft community is super open to just like, um, you know to share their thoughts on, on on how to make things better and what to focus on. So it was really just I dove in and got my hands dirty. Um, when I moved back home after college, um, Cap and Cork uh, Brewing. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with them on our side. Today. Um, and Andy there was super awesome in kind of teaching me, you know, you know what to do um, on a very you know simple you know kind of sp- you know simple level, whether it was home brewing or cider making. And you know you don't realize this, but you know, the hardest the hardest way to make um, you know a great product is in those early stages. And if you can master it on a homebrew scale, when you start putting a little investment into you know pro, you know equipment that can filter and and do some of these things automatically, too big in the quality I think that might be sacrificed. But you know if you can make a really great homebrew. You know, when you got a business sense, there's a great opportunity. You can really make that make that, you know, as you as you invest in some infrastructure. So, um, you know, I caught the bug and was able to convince my dad and uncle that that, that this would be a good idea. Um, but only had we you know, undersized everything and just thought it'd be this little tasting room that people would come to the farm and you know, we shut it down in the winter. And. Now, it's better to be, you know, lucky than good, I guess. And just like you would have like cider and donuts or something, right? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. same thing. It was just going to be like another thing that, like, you know, people who are a little bit older maybe could enjoy. And, you know, were tired of the cider and donut, you know, deal, um, or wanted to add to that experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, But uh, then opened this tasting room and got lucky in the fact that it was right when craft beer was at its peak, I would say, you know, or it was really like at the crescendo. And then craft cider was on this kind of in the US. It's always been big in Europe, always been big in Australia, you know, you know, big in, you know, Spain. There's so many different areas where you see cider being or you know, a legitimate player, seven, ten percent of the beer market. And here it was like at point oh two. So wow. everyone Yeah, it was just so low. And so it was at this trajectory that was really led by you know, angry orchard, quite frankly, um, and really expanded it into a category and, you know, people were looking for a more authentic option to kind of, you know, support that, you know, that, that category. And so we got asked by dis- distributors and now, um, you know, as of today, and you know, that was in 2013 and as of today, um, you know, we're the fastest growing cidery in the country, um, largest in the Midwest. And, you know, I think we're only in 20 States, um, and, uh, and, you know, and that's in a relatively short period of time. So, you know, cider definitely had its, its, its trajectory, you know, be done cause, mm-hmm. you know get beyond some of the stuff we'll try today and you know, some of the stuff you can't find in the stores that we produce because mm-hmm. there's not a saleable market for it, per se that we have at the tasting room is when we get into the real the unique varietals and some of the stuff that's really, you know, kind of a high end more along the lines of wine then, you know, I would say beer. So, you know, it's interesting the the range that cider can have and it's still in its development, I would say. And
1: that was going to be one of the questions that I was going to ask at some point in time uh, during the episode is if you guys have like any special apples or any like uh, varietals that you release on like a seasonal basis or just like in the yeah. tap room or something like that, because I, I like, I don't know cider that well, honestly, I don't like, I get, you know, what we have in the store or right. occasionally I'll get up to like tandem ciders. Yeah. And um, and, oh man, this delicious stuff. But uh,
2: awesome. Hi, Nikki.
1: But like, that's that's the most uh, you know, small batch I get or whatever. So like, what kind of stuff do you guys put out like that? Or do you like experimenting like that? Or
2: yeah. So so that's a great question. Um, and so we actually do a ton of small batch stuff, and quite frankly, it's some of my favorite stuff. Um, because. You know, it's really fun to tease out the nuances of the apple and to play with the tannin structure and to play with different apple varieties. And being a farmer, you know, and growing apples and, you know, planting them, um, it's really cool to, like, know what that apple is going to do when you ferment it correctly and how you can kind of blend those to get different taste profiles. So, you know, at Blake's, we grow 52 different varieties of apples. Oh, wow. Yeah. We have about 40, we have about 40 or so um dessert varieties which are like your grocery store apples that's kind of the american apple that you're used to and then we got about 12 specialty i call them specialty varieties but they're heritage varieties you know from the old world you know um you know over there are apples you know you wouldn't necessarily you know grab them off the shelf um at uh you know, at the, at the grocery store, but they're high in tannins, they're funky looking, they're weird. Um, and really they press that. When you press them out, they're really, really rich. And, and, you know, some of them are very grapefruity, very pineapple. Wow. You know, there's, there's so many different thing characteristics, you know, you get rusted varieties that quite, that, that really honestly, like, you know, press out like a light pineapple juice. And there's, you know, these really wow. Yeah, there's really unique things you can do, but the problem with the U.S. cider market is those apple varieties are super rare. So to be able to do that on any sort of scale, uh, authentic scale, is pretty hard. And, and you know, you said something earlier about, you know, you didn't know a ton about cider. And that's what I think, um, you know, our mission at Blake's is, is really to be the stewards of cider for the country. They're, someone needs to plant their flag and be in the educators of cider and what it can be. We just feel very strongly that we're being growers in the position we're in. You know, we're in a great place to, you know, help educate and, and learn ourselves along the way. So, um, you know, that's kind of where we see ourselves and we see it our duty to help educate and help, you know, bring people along the cider experience because. I mean, it's really cool. I mean, if you had to guess how many varieties of apples you thought there were, what would you say?
1: <laughs> well, it's yeah. like a couple dozen
2: tops, you know? Yeah, I know. That's all I see in the grocery store, right? <laughs> right. 30, 40. You guys already grilled right. more than I would have thought. Yeah. Right, right. The answer is actually uh, 5,500. That's just Oh, nuts. my God. So, and and so you realize when you have varieties like that, just what you can do with, with, with those different varieties that... that can really change the experience of the beverage, the drink, you know, just how you drink it. Um, and you get that when you go to different parts of the world and you try cider and you know, the cider experience in Spain isn't anything like the cider experience in, you know, uh, Northern Ireland. Right. Uh, so, you know, because there's different cause the apples have such a range of, you know, much like grapes, a range of, you know, kind of tolerance for climate. So you get a different product wherever you're at. So then so, that's, that was, it
0: got me thinking about that a lot earlier. I was on your, on your website and I see you guys talk about a five apple blend that you talk about as your yeah. perfect cider base. Yep. And I was like, I, it blew me away that there were even different features because, you know, when here, you know, um, you know, our, when we go to get cider as homebrewers, we're getting whatever they're pressing. Uh, yep. sometimes they'll do a honey crisp run and we think that's special, yep. uh, yep. you know, but. But I never thought about you know when when brewing a beer and we're we're mixing malts you know're we're, we're mixing pale malts with uh you know uh, caramel malts and different colored malts to get those different characteristics and colors and things and the to think that apples could do the same thing kind of blew me away mm. so is that that's what you're going for when you're building those blends
2: yeah. right is so, to bring in yes yeah, so. exactly exactly and and when you have apples um you know so all of those varieties of apples you know the fifty 500 or you know close thereof um, you have, they all fall in four different categories. You have, so you have your sharp apples, bitter, sharp, sweet and bittersweet. So any of the apples that you do fall into those four categories. And what we've kind of done with ours is picked. And then in and traditionally in cider making, you know, your blends at the beginning of the year are different than your blends, you know, towards the end of the year and you get sh- higher sugar content end of the year. So one of the things we, we ran into when trying to do this legitimately and not from concentrate was like, how do you, how do you create that same product as a base, you know, year round? Mm-hmm. So what we really started to do apples, the, the uh, content um, of, of the different apples that we would do, you know, whether it's different varieties, the different, you know, sugar contents, we really started measuring the science of the apples yeah, peak harvest which you know luckily enough we had some insight on because we're growers and so my dad and uncle have been you know sweet cider makers forever so what we did was have them you know make us the best batches that they they can make and so and then we took the chemistry off the off their five apple blend that they do and, and now we make sure everything we do is in spec of that of that chemistry from their what they, when they say, so they're very particular, like when the apples come off the tree, you know, when they're at highest sugar content, you know, highest, you know, tartness, you know, w- you know, they know when the apple's supposed to be pressed, um, you know, and you usually let the apple sweat for a couple of days to bring out, you know, some of the starches. So there's a what, lot. What, that,
1: what does that mean? Just let them like sit in like a warm warehouse or something or.
2: Uh, bring them off uh, like, uh, you know, them into ambient temperature and you let them get room temperature for a while and get them out of the cold so they can kind of sweat and kind of starches can build up, um, you know, within them. So they're ready to release those, you know, um, and sugar content builds a little bit too. So they're ready to release when you press. So, so there's a lot to it. It's kind of, you know, it's an art as much as it's a science to that, that degree. But, um, you know, we are really trying to blend the both best of both worlds, you know, to, to do things on a great, on a big scale, You got to have science, but to really, you know, you know, understand what you're, you know, where you come from and what you're trying to produce and, you know, and do it in the way we're trying to do it. There's an art to it as well. And, you know, blending that's been kind of the goal of the company (laughs) and to continue to do that as we get bigger too.
1: So, so apples, I mean, I mean, all... You know beer products and you know grape for wines and, and stuff they're all agricultural products obviously sliders are too do you i mean speaking of you know what you've been going over like do you notice like maybe a, like a difference year to year uh, you obviously try to hit those like benchmarks and stuff like that but are there like still flavor differences even if you're hitting the same gravities and stuff
2: um yeah and so i would say that i would say that you know, you know f- um fundamentally you know in from you're comparing them on, on a base level yes But what the great thing is, is I think with, you know, with modern chemistry and here's where it comes in a little bit and being able to have the kind of that we have, you know, we're able to like test, you know, compare bench trial and we're able to kind of, you know, manipulate back to what we think needs to happen. So, you know, there is still that art and that sign off on every glass, every batch, you know, by our head cider makers and by our production team that kind of gives the seal of, you know, gives the blessing to, to yeah, go on. Yeah. So, so, Oh, but once you get in a rhythm here and if it's not too crazy, you know, it's not, it's not too hard to get, to get that base, you know, to a place where that, that's, that's really damn close. Is, is
1: that blending that you're doing uh post fermentation then like, uh, like everything's all fermented out then you're blending them and, and tasting yeah. or okay. yeah, yeah. Just making that just, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and we, and we play, and we played with a bunch of different ways to do it, and um, you know, it's some people have very strong opinions about how to do that and when to do that. But you know, we've, you know, like everything, it's evolving process as things continue and as you learn more. You know, and I'm, you know, I don't claim to be an expert, but. You know, lucky to have a great team and we're, we're kind of figuring it out more
1: so than any other person I've <laughs> ever
2: talked
0: to. So, <laughs> right, right. So, so, you're talking about the different flavor profiles and stuff that you're getting off of apples. As, as homebrewers or brewers, we're used to um, getting a, a large amount of that flavor from our yeast. Um, so, do you guys have different yeasts that you brew with, or is it a pretty much there a standard?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. oh, I'm happy to ask that because it's really. It's it's super. It's something I'm I'm really passionate about and that we're very passionate about. So, so we actually have our own proprietary house yeast that we've been cultivating over, um, I don't know, probably about I don't know how long now. We started this for sure two years for the last two years, um, and maybe a little bit longer than that could be three. Um, and our team has tried to, you know, pull yeast off the apple, you know, from awesome. from from our own facility because there's something about the yeast from outside of our facility that's making our stuff, but we've had to, um, you know, go through iterations of that. But, you know, to answer your question, there are specialty things. And when we're looking for certain characteristics, certain notes where you go to certain yeast, where, you know, From from our, our core products are generally kind of all from this house yeast that we do. And then as we bring out, exploratory products, limited release type stuff, you know, small bottle tasting room runs. That's where we kind of dive into the exploration of some of the other stuff. But, you know, when you're trying to really master a core base, if you will, to be able to, you know, kind of create these different flavors from, you know, you really, we wanted to make it proprietary. We wanted to make it unique and we wanted to make it, you know, scalable for, I know that sometimes a bad word in the craft brewing industry, but scalable for all in all the right ways, um to be able to do something you know um uh, you know authentic and, and at large scale quite frankly right on yeah yeah
0: with <clears throat> yeah, well, the the you know I, I i've talked to some other home brewers and and uh, i haven't done it myself yet but i you talk to people that try to go out and cultivate like wild yeast and it seems like i always hear about people going and putting their jar in an apple orchard <laughs> so it just goes to figure you know that you guys uh should have a, a a good location to do some heart wild harvesting
2: yeah and and you know one of the things that we got very lucky with, and this is all way above my pay grade by the way, <laughs> not like stuff that I told you. Sure, I can't sure. be like you know I'm, I'm a I'm a great you know down and dirty cider maker in the traditional sense, like my dad and uncle making sweet cider and that but you know the nuance and the science and all the stuff that goes into that, you know our production team um you know, uh, Matt Wiles, our head brewer, Troy deanan they're, they're just, they're just real talents and super, super, um, just creative and, and intelligent people that I've learned a ton from, and they have been the ones that have been re- able to really take that program from ideation, um, when we're sitting in a, in a room to, to execution. So, you know, hats off to them.
1: I, I got to imagine it's really, uh, hard to source talent for cider making, uh, you know we have a lot of breweries you know in the US and and very very few uh, you know cider makers less than winemakers I would you know wager I'm sure the, the, I'm sure they're the processes are pretty similar but like how do you how do you source talent like that like
2: um you base, basically ask brewers to come and 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 learn the cider craft because cool. you okay really, really right. are I mean really that's quite frankly that's where you're sourcing talent is and one of the things that I was really adamant about as that was kind of becoming the case, you know, because it's not like we're necessarily in wine country where we're at. You know, northern Michigan has, has some some mm-hmm. wineries, you know, we're really in a, in a brewery, you know, you know, kind of region. And, you know, and we're, you know, and while we have a huge apple population, we're we're, you know, here in Michigan, second largest producer, maybe third largest producer uh, of apples in, in the country. cider makes is a thing i mean there's not like generations of cider makers it's kind of a Mm -hmm. a very new um you know i guess profession to a degree it's a very old profession but there's not a lot of people you know we got to reinvent it and re and reteach it so you know when we started getting you know you know bigger um you know we were looking for brewery talent that wanted to be you know close to the farm you know be in touch with the ingredients and wanted to help build what it is to be a modern cider maker. Um, I think we've got a great team and, and that's worked really well. And, you know, I went to bat when we started getting a lot of brewers in to get this, you know, our, our, our small brew system, you know, in the cidery, you know, at a different, in a different wing. Um, so they could, you know, keep honing their craft on the brew side while learning cider, you know, for awesome. the room. And, you know, that's created some amazing brewery, pro- you know, brewing, uh, you know, you know opportunities, and that just is such a that is you know free of you know free for expression. It isn't free of expectation. You know, it's really just allowing them to go out and make really great products and deliver them to the room. So I really like how that's turned out. I like I like that kind of that that balance between Cidery being what we are and what we're going to be known for. You know, nationally, and then you know continuing to do you know from the farm type beer products. Um, you know, locally.
1: That's like that's like the dream for a lot of professional yeah. brewers. Probably not having to follow the the same recipe time and time again, and right. pump out that you know that same IPA that everybody's been drinking for the last three years in, in I, 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 That's yeah, super yeah. cool, man. So in my
0: in my research today, and I haven't fact checked any of this, Brian, but this it actually <laughs> it did come up. So in Michigan, there are about 465 uh, breweries. What you what you drinking, Founders?
2: Yeah. Is, oh, uh, the Pilsner. Is,
1: it, is that unraveled? It's and, unraveled
0: yeah okay. so so it, i'm actually just switched to uh grizzly pear which is my, uh, i just opened that too yeah yeah grizzly pear fantastic uh but anyway to my numbers 465 breweries in michigan there are 820 cider makers in the country so we're, we're a rare group <laughs> right it's less than 10 percent of uh breweries uh, are classified cider makers just interesting so you know, we've got a couple questions rolling in and I did want to call out and I missed this intro. Jordan Brady, our third uh, host is playing dad again tonight. Um, the people that have watched with us for a while now know that he's got a new, new baby. Um, so he says, uh, Hey Blake, love to see you on, wish you could have been online today. Uh, I'd love to know more about the origin of El Chavo. Um, it's his wife's, uh, favorites. And, uh, he just says thank you for making it.
2: <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, what's up, Jordan? Um, look forward to talking to you soon. Take this with you. But everything story. Uh, so when I when we first um, launched the cidery in 2013, um, it was me and my buddy from college. So my dad and uncle agreed to, to sign off on the deal, and they helped us finance some tanks, mm-hmm. uh, get a little hand bottler. That we still have to this day, that they still used to this day nice. for you know, like little bomber releases and stuff. We got two, awesome. yeah, we have two like hundred cans per minute canning lines and stuff going on for the stuff, and we still got the hand one that anything <laughs> you kind know, of like the rite of passage. Anyone in the brewery who's going to like bring stuff, you know, wants to release their small batch. I'm like, you got to get on the. You know, you get on the old, you know, hand, you know, single hand crank, and and you know, earn your stripes. So, you know, it's character building. <laughs> uh, but so, when we launched, it was right. You know, we got the permits and everything, like right, very like late, be, like very close to fall. And you know, tighter, depending on how you're making it, ferment. You know, it was you know. You can turn it around from 21 days to 45 days, and you know we were we are kind of in the 30 day period then. Um, and you can do it much longer, obviously, but you know if you if you got the right equipment, you can kind of do it in that time frame. So we had kind of this nice base that 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 I had made, and was really happy with it. And it was basically from there, I had three products that we were going to do in this tasting. Room. And, you know, we're like, shit, we're opening up. I have three products from this one base. It's dry. It's semi sweet. And sweet. This is like all I'm doing for like the three product. Right on. And and I'm like, and it was really out of necessity. So I'm sitting there with the guy who still works with us today. His name is Rob Sheave. He's our packaging uh, manager. And so and at the time he was helping me make cider. And so we're at dinner and we're having a few drinks. and, And I think we step outside. I don't know. I was younger and a little, a little crazy. So I'm 31 now, so I'm a little more health conscious. But um, we step up, <laughs> and we're like, and we're like, dude, we have to, you know, spice up like our flavor. Like we kind of have a boring flavor offering right now. You know, we're just like off the ground. I feel like we're very mom and pop cidery. Like it's boring, quite frankly. And like you have all these craft breweries doing whatever. And he's like and then we have that conversation the next morning. He like walks in and he's like, just grabs me. And he goes. We need to make a mango habanero cider. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And, and and you know, nice thing is, is on the farm we have habaneros. So I was able to grab some habaneros, source in some mangoes, and, you know, we just put it up in the tap room, and people started going crazy for it. And I was like, oh, my God, it works. Like, that's, that's – <laughs> it works. So, you know, that's about the origin story. And But it was very early on when we were, you know, maybe a little too you – know, cutter in our flavor profile and was as a result of just trying to get it off the ground. And you know, that's one thing I'd say to anyone who's, you know, trying to, you know, start their brewery or cidery or whatever, you know, it's better to get, you know, get on the train and then not be in the exact direction than you want and miss the train. And I guess, you know, my point being is, you know, it's kind of if you start and you look at the whole thing as a journey, You know, you'll continue to evolve, and you know where you want to go. You'll keep getting there. But you know, we didn't start super glamorous. It wasn't like we came out with all these products and we knew what we were doing. It's, you know, I mean, if you really love it and you want to do it, you're going to do the, you know, you're going to go through the trials and tribulations of figuring it out and learning from it, and you know, and making it better. You know, I mean, you know, we're pretty. You know, there's so many cideries that are popping up now that are you know, far beyond anything we started with. You know, so I think there's just you know, you just gotta keep that in mind and you know, you know. So just, you know, keep forward and you know, keep trying to tweak the design whatever you're doing. So So
0: Jordan's throwing us more questions in our in our private chat here and he wants to know where did the name come from with El Chavo?
2: Do they have anything special there? Or? Um so um <laughs> just uh, we're big – well, it does, actually. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're big Lebowski fans, or, you know, always have been. And, you know, and the dude was just always, you know, it was funny to me. And so the manual it just felt that, you know, creating, creating this – yeah, there you go. Creating the name for the dude um, as, a, as an old big Lebowski um, just felt like we should do that at the time. And that's where it comes from because the whole production – you know, team was big fans. And some of our other uh, names have come after some of our favorite movies or songs or whatever. I think that's kind of a people use that. It's a good muse.
1: No, absolutely. I, I name a lot of my beers. We, I, I run a rabbit. Oh, so,
2: um.
1: Oh no, sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. No, uh, like uh, ahead, sorry. Our, our internet's going back and forth sometimes. So, no, I was just gonna say I, I totally get that. I, I uh, my girlfriend and I run a rabbit rescue, so a lot of my, my homebrewers end up naming it after our rabbits and their their personalities and <laughs> shit exactly. well, rabbit rescue, that's awesome. how many rabbits do we don't have? we don't we don't talk about no um <laughs> it's i think we're under 20 now so okay yeah awesome. yeah we yeah. have uh we have five that are probably ours and are gonna hang out here and then maybe right. eight more up for adoption right now and then a few kind of stragglers but
2: okay yeah. awesome yeah. cool <laughs> really cool um I have, I have chickens my wife talked me into um yeah to um fostering a bunch of chickens so now we got more eggs than i know what to do with so on sunday we do uh you know people come over and pick up like their nice patio so we have like an egg day with them. so uh, we kind of, we- Things you do as a farmer, I guess. That's kind of you <laughs> know. Like so yeah.
0: I, I tease Brian about rabbits being food and not that. Uh, but but fostering chickens now that that draws a line. Chicken. <laughs> uh, no that's cool i you know i grew up my mom that was her favorite meal was rabbit and and i know there's difference between meat rabbits and pet rabbits but it's, i just tease them tease them for it so if Shane is watching which i'm pretty sure she is i'm just kidding <laughs>
2: that's <was> funny <laughs>
0: so um i'm gonna dive back into jordan since he couldn't be here um, on the fermentation he, he he asked is it is it more like wine is it do you ferment cooler and slower um, or higher and faster, like uh, some of the the newer beer styles that are coming out
2: yeah, I mean, I'm a a big believer that cider you know is you know, I've always said it's the cousin, it's like kind of the cousin of 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 you know, it's right in between beer and wine. it's it's served and generally kind of enjoyed like a beer um, that has a lot of those same characteristics from a branding standpoint. But, you know, it's made exactly like a traditional white wine, in my opinion, and, you know, cold, um, cool, slow fermentation is always best. I mean, the the slower, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Um, So it's really about the question is, is, you know, how do you really want to find that balance between being able to, you know, batch out stuff in season to get through different varieties of apples and different apples and create, you know, a really, really good product? So. Um, you know, and you'll, you'll find certain, you know, cider makers, if they're making like an apple wine, um, you know, you'll see, you know, nine month fermentation, uh, you know, there's a whole you know, host, of, um, that you can go through, but you know traditionally I look at it. If you read, if you read the books on white wine fermentation, it's, uh, it's very similar. Right on. Do you
1: have yeah. like a, do you have any like recommendations on like reading material or anything like that? Like
2: um there's actually i got my i got my book right here i give them all away to all of our cider makers (laughs) um but i'm I'm looking up here but there's a couple really really great books i think the modern cider makers book let me see i'm gonna pull up we'll keep talking i'll pull up yeah
0: yeah well, book. since we're talking about books, I think it's funny when I was talking to Andrew before the show and I, I think in the Homebrew Club, I, I might have mentioned it a few times in some of my presentations that the my go to book was Radical Brewing. And yeah, it's on his desk. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, And so the book that I've I've kind of given to everyone. Stakers handbook. Um. By Claude Gillec, you know, that is a great look into. If any, if 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 nothing else, there's a lot of great insights in there. But if nothing else, I think it really kind of shows and depicts kind of the different, um, I don't know, the different mm, styles and cultural kind of views of cider in different parts of the world to really kind of get an idea of what it can be and what it looks, you know, what cider looks like. So I think that's it. It's got a lot of great tips on how to, you know, make cider. What was that name again? It's the New Cider Maker's Handbook. Okay. Yep, by Claude Gillette, Joel Collier. I got it right on. Yeah, and that's a great book, and that is one that we have. um, You know, I have our production manager. Any new cider maker coming in reads this book, and you know, it kind of tells you. You know, I actually think it might be available online through it right now. um, Great book and probably the best modern book on cider making. There's a couple of real old ones that I've looked at. Um, You know, a few other ones that I've read just about every one I can see, but I think that one's the one that stood stood out to me and I've passed along to a lot of our team. Right on.
0: This Osavo is great, by the way. Uh, It's...
1: Thank you. Thank it's you. the only one that I didn't end up picking up at the store earlier. And I'm, so, and I'm sad now because like all I want is something like, I've been eating like hot pickles all week and all all yeah, I, I want is something hot and spicy. It's
0: actually, it's not too, it's very mild. Very, uh, you know, it's, it's got the heat there. It's got the flavor of the Habs. So Brian actually, and I are both in really uh, hot sauce enthusiasts, So, so um, I,
2: I am too. I actually um, are. Let's see if I'll grab this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We got them all excited now. But I um I was in the UP a couple of weeks ago and Amy had one at a at a pub and I had a sip. But this is good. What's that?
2: One of our sales uh, our you know our innovation director um is a huge hot sauce uh fanatic and so am I and you know I anytime I go anywhere in the country I pick up hot sauces and when I go to grocery stores I spend my wife like can't go with me anymore. Cause I'll like sit, cause there's so many and I'll sit there and I'll like read the labels for all of them and I'm like super into it. And so anyways, I got a homemade hot sauce from one of our production uh, or one of our sales guys that um, I've yet to try. But um, you know, it's supposed to be extremely, extremely hot, careful. So,
0: so, so that's my, this is my problem in here. So my <laughs> wife, my wife's watching. So I signed up for subscription boxes. <laughs> of hot sauce I, just, uh, I can't even see it but yeah the, I I have w- I canceled this by the way Amy because I have way too much hot sauce this is the last one yeah, we're, we're <laughs> uh, <laughs> alright let's see uh, we did the, the El Chavo one um, who else we're going to break the chat I was just looking at chat real quick to see before I jump back into my 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 sheet. Uh, we got one here from a, another home brewer. Do you know? And this, is, this might be kind of funny because you're a farmer. Uh, it, he's saying that Apple Johnny Appleseed is actually spreading cider apples rather than eating apples. You ever heard that?
2: Yeah. So that's actually true. So um, Johnny Appleseed, um, his real name was John Chapman, um, and he. You know, uh, you know, I think his story. He was born in Virginia-ish area, and he was actually a. Um, he was on a mission to acquire a lot of land, um, and his way of marking the land and kind of possessing the land was to plant orchards. So he actually, in, so as he moved west, his you know his grew. Um, one because he had many women or girlfriends, um, he was, um, that he spread his seed, you know, he spread his seed <laughs> in multiple different ways, so he grew a reputation there. And then many of the orchards planted, you know, from Virginia through Pennsylvania into Ohio and Indiana. And I think he eventually died in Indiana actually, um, were orchards that he planted and he'd plant the orchards for a season, get them established and then move on. And that was his way of procuring land in the old in the old country um, so very interesting story a lot of interesting folklore um and 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 a lot of in- interesting history as it relates to you know john chapman but yeah i've been i i've been geeking out on him for forever so i you know i know more than i guess you know more-
1: <laughs> well, that's a good question then though. that's yeah, cool yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh
2: jason glatz is another one of our uh,
0: homebrew club members out here so Um, so then back to the Blake's, what, what would you say is the most common or the, the, the highest producing apple that you guys grow? What, what's the standard crop? And you said you grew 50 some odd varieties, 52.
2: About 52. Um, so we, we grow, um, we grow a lot of Jonathan, a lot of Gala. Um, obviously honey crisp is, is, you know, the the craze of the last 20 years. We grow a lot of those. we grow a lot of, you know, Macintosh are obviously huge, Ginger Golds, um, you know, but we grow, you know, a lot of, of, of varieties that I'm, you know, that I think are really great eating apples that are a little underrated, Empires, you know, we obviously grow um, Granny Smith, Mutsu, they're great cider apples, you know, and really, if you're looking for a good rule of thumb, it's not the, it's not the thumb is if you're looking for good cider apples, they're usually the baking apples. So you you know things that are really good in baking um, are, are are the apples that 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 I think you could rely on to make good cider. If that's if, you know yeah. if that's kind of a why parallel is that? You can. So I you no, know, I don't exactly know. I think it's I don't know why it's a parallel, but it seems to be like you know when they're cooked down, the things that have traditionally been. You know it's it's I believe the starch profile I believe it's the carbohydrate profile I believe it's the sugar levels of all of that but you know if you look at you know Ida reds wine saps things that have traditionally been really really gr- northern spy you know things that have been really great you know um, baking apples they're great cider apples so we actually grow a lot of those varieties as well you know for our pies and for our ciders so um you know but that's a that's a pretty decent rule of thumb if you were ever trying to you know, kind of your lens know, and the idea. You know, it's not that hard. Some of these cider making kits. If you had a garage and you get a little home press, you know, you could go to. You could go. If you're trying to make a five gallon batch. You could go buy a hundred dollars worth of apples at you know an apple orchard this fall, and you know, and 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 actually try this variety thing, which is fun. How many pounds know? would you wager? Like it takes. Uh, this is really good. Um, actually, I would say. For a five – well, we'll we'll do for a gallon. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll do for a gallon. So um, I would say about – well, I know how many apples. So about (laughs) (laughs) – we could do the math. But um, assume about 60 apples to the gallon. So it's it's funny. Okay. One of Brian's questions that he wrote was actually,
0: "How many apples would you guess going into making six pack?" <laughs> uh, and and you
1: basically just uh, uh, so, you know, you know. so assume
2: like sixty apples for a gallon <laughs> for a six pack. No, it's basically. I think we did it. nine point two apples a can. Wow, is what okay. is what we is is the real number. Not- Yep, there's a real amount of apples that are in every Blake's can. Not all ciders do that, by the way, because that's expensive um, to do. But if you want to make good cider, it's about nine point two apples per can. So if you do that that math backwards, um, you know, you can figure out how many you need for whatever batch you're doing. But that's about it, you know. And obviously, there's some wiggle room depending on the I, or,
0: okay, I did laugh at you, Brian, when I read that question. You always laugh at me. I did.
2: I
1: did. <laughs> Was there any like prep? Do you think that needs to happen to the apples, like? Uh, like, should
2: we try to like sweat them or anything, or just take them, press them? For 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 that size batch, I don't, you know, I think I think what I'd do is I'd leave them on your counter, you know, for twenty four hours. You'll make sure they're not refrigerated, anything like that. Okay. Eight hours, left now, I'm kind of soften up, um, and then you know, I would say you're you're good to go and press. You know, some well, depending on you know, are you going for an all natural? You know, we wash our apples, so there's a base that we can introduce. We try to wash off that yeast because we've you know, we've yep. made our own. Yeah, yeah. But you know, some people really want to go native and wild. We'll stay away from that. So all depending on what you're going for, but um, you know, it's, all, it's uh,
1: all on a on a homebrew scale. Like, is there any yeast that you would recommend, like a like a wine yeast or anything like that? Is that what you think you would go with, like a- Yeah.
2: So you know, I. When I w first started, I started doing um you know a White Labs what was it K10, uh, K one so, I was gonna
0: actually say uh Andrew, if you go on Blake's website, Brian, they have a video on how to make a cider and they do recommend <laughs> uh White Labs up yeah. your pitch back. Sweet, okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I you use a couple research. of varieties. Specialty white bob used. Uh, yeah. But you know, I think that I use a lot of different. Um, you know, one thing that actually is fun to do, and and this is actually pretty good um, if you want to try it, is um, try an ice wine yeast and try a very and, and even if you're not making an ice wine, um, you know, try an ice wine yeast and try to do a really long, slow, cold fermentation with ice wine yeast. Um, you know, and get it about as cold as that ice as that yeast can handle, and kind of watch the brightness that comes out of that fermentation that's it's, wow. it's a fun it's a fun exploration and, and you know and that's supposed to be if you use that it, you know it's a longer fermentation for sure but um you know i think that that's you know we've done a lot of playing around with ice wine yeast and when you know we've been able to really set the temperature and really kind of watch Joe, you know really be sitting um so you know it's something to give, to give a go of
0: that's awesome. I actually don't know if I've seen ice wine yeast available on our local homebrew shops, but I think we can find it online. I'm curious.
1: Does, does yeast like that like a, does it just have like a lower like ABV tolerance will it like die out like yep. when there's like a little bit higher sugar, like resi- higher residual sugar or something then or?
2: Yeah, like and, and and I think, um, you know, it, it for whatever reason, I, I think it will just can handle the colder temperatures. I think one of the biggest characteristics of it is it still can to at, at at you know very cold temperature
1: i guess i never put two and two together like is that why it's called ice wine i guess i don't actually know is it because is it of a colder fermentation temperature or
2: well not necessarily it's, okay <laughs> but um but ice wine you know obviously it's because you know traditionally when we do our like ice cider you the apple trees, and you have frozen apples, and so what you're oh. doing is you're pressing them right after the freeze. The sugar content's higher. You know, you have an ice wine that ferments at a hot. You know, it's basically higher ABV tolerance at a colder temperature for a longer period of time, and you can kind of get this very, I don't know, very uh, bright and kind of textury fermentation. It's definitely very different than most ciders that you'll ferment out. Cool. So, okay.
0: You know, so. On that though, like, how do you guys handle your your? Uh, I, I'm drink. I, I've worked my way through enough of these that I can hardly talk now. Thanks. <laughs> um, so let me spit that out. How are you handling your back sweeting, uh, Sweetening? Um, do you guys do it with more juice? Do you? Well, I'll I won't put words. Tell me how you back sweeten.
2: Yeah. So depending on the different flavors, we do. Are. Um, our- Metal back sweet with juice, and because we're a juice facility, we have that luxury. Certain more controlled, more ads where it's not going to be. We actually use Michigan beet sugar because um, okay. we are right north of beet capital of the world, uh, sugar beet capital of the world, which is odd. the thumb of Michigan is the sugar beet capital of the I've world. i heard that. Yep. Yeah. So so we got a lot of you know local farmers that we can work with. So you know we will use beet sugar at times. Um, yeah. There you go. Triple jam, baby. <laughs> Um I, and, haven't cra- I just cracked uh caramel apple actually. Dude, that has been insane. People like are fighting for that product. It's nuts. Uh I have retailers calling us, you know, because you know we blew through our forecast. That's a limited series and it's not even available for a month. And um I don't know, it's yeah, you know, it's very you know, I was very hesitant so this is, you know, I guess a little bit of. you know I know you guys are home brewers and into the crap and apple, I was like, you know, stand off, you know, just kind of a very like traditional, you know, you're kind of playing off the cider mill thing. So traditionally I felt, you know, the craftsman and the farmer in me is like, oh, you know, are we, you know, do we need to elevate higher than that? And then we put it in the tasting room for the last three years. It's been our number one seller. People <laughs> love it. And I'm like, Well, I'll give the people what they want, you know. And so, <laughs> so you know, we do it for we do it for a month and a half every year. It's our number one seller for that month and a half. It's crazy. People love it. Um, it, but, uh, but, it's, it
0: is crazy. It's You get that caramel flavor and then it kind of fades away into the apple. Uh, yeah. Like
2: like if you were biting through on that. Yeah, and so th- I thought that, you know, the one thing I was really proud of with that product is I do feel it's a pretty good representation from a, as a beverages version of, of a caramel apple experience. You know, so I was, like, I was like, you guys nailed it. We'll do it. So um,
1: and, and and it doesn't have to be a giveaway and you can say nothing, any tips or tricks to like replicate something like that. <laughs> and you, and you can, and you can just drink it down and say nothing, but.
2: Uh, well, I would, if I, um, I'll be if quick. If I actually had nothing to do with the making of that product. Oh, so cool. I, I do not, I do not know how to replicate that one. Most of them I can give you uh, in time, but that one. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, and, uh, yeah, so I, 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 you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be silent. <laughs>
0: you know, it's, uh, now that you said it, I'm actually looking at your cans. I do see most of them say uh, Michigan beet sugar. That's yeah. cool.
2: That's, yeah, so,
1: that's
2: cool. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things about being close to the farming community and, and one of the things that we, we set out to do was, you know, if we can't grow, obviously there's a certain time, even if we, you know, keep buying land and, you know, we're a thousand-acre farm, you only produce, you know with you know with this michigan beet sugar thing it's like okay they're right up the street you know let's see how we can use their sugar from their sugar beets comes from our backyard you know if you look on the can it says from our backyard that's yeah you know that's our that's our motto that's that we 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 strive to that like kind of messaging and and i guess um realization in all of our all of our products we have here yeah our backyard since 1946 yep yep Yeah. So, you know, and so that's been our model. It's been my, that was my grandpa's motto when we started, you know, we'll, you know, we'll give you our family backyard experience for the customer. So it's something that I've tried to really, you know, you know, kind of live up to in the cider world. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not always easy as you're coming out with new products and you're trying to source stuff locally, but you know, it is kind of a great kind of flag to kind of, you know, believe in and then work towards, you know, as much as you can. So
1: the uh the berries that are in the, the triple jam, the strawberry blackberry raspberry are those from uh your property too your farm
2: you 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 broke up sorry. i oh, know
1: i'm sorry the the berries that are in the triple jam the strawberry the blackberry the raspberry those are those all from your uh your farm as well like what what uh what else do you guys grow there yeah besides so, apples
2: yeah so we grow um we grow a, a very large variety of strawberries um about seven different varieties of strawberries my
1: mind with that too I, I didn't even know there was, <laughs> it was, it was there's strawberries they're just,
2: <laughs> I know right I know and oh, um,
0: wait there's two there's wild and there's <laughs> right right farm
2: uh, um,
1: pineberries yeah.
2: so we um you know so so we got a lot of strawberries a lot of raspberries a lot of blackberries um, we're in pear season right now um, which is you know pears are an interesting fruit I have not mastered a true perry. That is really hard to do. Um I think the only people I've seen that have met are people from Europe with a different variety of the fruit. Um that's a really complicated it's a fickle fruit. It's it can go south so easy. Um and it's like I don't know, it's it's kind of an aspiration to nail a parry here at some point. Um but and we will, I just got to find the right fruit to source. And, you know, we grow a lot of pears, but more traditional, your dessert pears. Um, so that's always a challenge. Um, but uh, um, we grow a lot of pears, um, plums, um, Santa Rosa plums, um, which are, are really unique, uh, cherries. Um, basically, we're a big fruit farm. And then we got, you know, other vegetables as well, a uh, variety of peppers, tomatoes and then sweet corn. We grow a lot of sweet corn as well. So, you know, lots of different stuff. Um, and you know, the nice thing is, is, you know, from our brewers to some of the beers we make, you know, you really can get that in and the old version of the fruit that you want and then go and try to recipe, you know, and, and bring it to light. Um, you know, so that's really kind of what we work to do and we're making everything
1: you ever try to think about like incorporating any of those other like, uh, crops into your beer or your, your, uh, like cider, like a, like a corn cider or anything like
2: that? <laughs> well, you know, I always, like, you know, tomato cider doesn't sound great. Um, you know, I think we got the habanero um, or, you know, I'm not sure on the corn. Uh, it, there's, there's a great opportunity with the plums. Um, mhm. Uh-huh. And, you know, the problem with peaches is – and the reason we really haven't done a lot with peaches is, you know, they have those – and the same with plums. You know, there's not an easy way they have those cores in them, so they don't mm. out like pears and apples do. So it's very laborious to really get, like, a really solid pear – or I'm sorry, plum or – you know, plum or peach juice, but, um, it's something we've talked about and worked on. And, um, you know, that's something where you almost have to you know make the flavor you want and then go to see if you can source, you know, some from someone who can do it on a scale because, you know, peach, you know, peaches and plums are hard, but, you know, it, it definitely drives a lot of the inspiration. We grow up, uh, you know, 150 acres of Christmas trees and, um, you know, so there's talk about trying to do some stuff, such, you know, Christmas tree buds. Yeah, um, yeah. so yeah
0: anyways oh, i've I've done one beer with spruce tips, and it was not good
2: what about what about you guys favorite beers favorite um favorite to make favorite you know beers to drink so
1: i uh we're talking about fruits right now, and uh I've been making a lot of uh dessert meads lately
0: mm-hmm.
1: so mm-hmm. And uh, like like Shram's style, have you ever had like a Shram's like a like a blueberry like meat or something like that? Like,
2: yeah, they're right down the road. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, uh, like in 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 something like a so in a in a five gallon batch, I'll do something like thirty pounds of fruit, eighteen pounds of honey, uh, almost no water except for what it takes to sort of like prep the yeast and uh, let that go for six weeks or something like that with, you know, staggered nutrients additions and stuff like that. It'll come out to like 14, 15%, but still have like a, I don't know what the bricks would be on this. Uh, you probably think more in bricks, but you know the gravity ends up final gravity ends up being somewhere in like the ten seventy, ten eighty range. So super um, sweet, really alcoholic, but like super tasty, yeah.
2: Just really expensive. Yeah. Right. Meads yeah. <laughs> um, are fun, man. They're a lot of fun. We got some needs coming online, and um, yeah, expensive and, and, and timely. It takes some. You guys time, do bees over be there? Great. Oh yeah. Yep. Nice. We have uh, we we um, so we actually don't do them ourselves. We obviously have beehives brought in. We work with you know, local apiaries to um, you know kind of you know. Oh my dog story is joining. <laughs> Welcome to <laughs> Oh, yeah, we always love pets on the show. There you go, hey, dog. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
2: but but uh, we're we talking about bees. Oh yeah, we work with a couple different um, local apiaries, so they source the bees, they stage the hives, and then we partner with them for the honey. They harvest the honey, and we kind of you know, well, that
1: help, That must help your crop and stuff too, right? Is that like part of the whole? That's yeah. oh, that's cool. I never even thought about that.
2: If you if you want to like grow you know have high yields on on specific um better sure that you pollinate quickly and you know it's, it's very dangerous to leave it to natural bee production to, to to pollinate so you need to make sure that you're setting your farm up for success and you know having a partnership with a, with apiaries is pretty important to make sure that that happens
1: wow that's so cool i never even considered that
2: yeah, there's a lot that goes into all of that and, and you can see like you know, there's part, there's certain, you know, because we're we're large enough where you have to have these different pockets, and you know, if for some reason we have to move a hive or a hive gets taken out. I mean, you can see, you know, the lack of of, of fruiting that happens when when that happens. So, you know, they're so important. That's um, crazy, yeah.
1: What about you, Jason? What have been drinking? What have been?
2: Oh, you know,
0: the things that I think I I I've, I've most um, are my most successful beers have been fruit beers. You know, I do, I I do fruited stouts, fruited wheat beers, uh, a lot with local raspberries around here. Um, but yeah, mostly, mostly stouts and, and, uh, and fruited beers are, are that's my passion or where it lies, which is funny. And, you know, in talking to the club and and the keepers that watch I I hear a lot of people that are afraid of stouts and dark beers. And, um, I just don't understand it. Like that's where they're easy. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, it kind of goes into like, I had this idea this year that, and I didn't get to execute on it because life got out of hand, but I was going to brew. Um, so first off, one of my questions to you was going to be, have you ever considered doing a graph, uh, you know, a beer cider combo and uh, then, yeah. and then in my passion, I wanted to do a, this winter. I really wanted to do a stouted cider. Uh, and I thought that I came up with this on
2: my own but I didn't, it already exists. So have you, have you ever, have you ever
0: done anything
2: like that? Yeah. So I have to, um, I have to say that um, Andy from Cap and Corp gave me an amazing recipe that he gave this to me, gave me this amazing recipe um, that was in essence a graft and it was a malted, you know, uh, you know, kind of stouted cider. And, um, you know, and I caught when we actually did it, it was the first year we did it, and it was actually called the Wayward Winter, and it was this uh, malted cider that we did, but it was completely his recipe that we followed. We were, you know, we didn't actually even have a brew system; we were doing this all on kettles and pouring it into the cider, and it was <laughs> awesome. But um, it's definitely something that we want to get back to and do and do proper. And the guys have done versions since then, but um, you know, it's definitely possible, and it's definitely enjoyable, and you can make a legitimately tasty product out
0: of it yeah I, I i actually just spent this weekend we had some construction going on in our basement i spent the weekend cleaning the, the garage out and i actually had found all of the dark malts and everything that i had bought to go along with the stouted cider and i just threw them all out because they sat in <laughs> my garage for six months so
2: yeah what um you guys make are you constantly making matches is it you got stuff going right now is it you know it, i go through we go through phases i mean you know two years ago I, so i you know, everybody in
0: the club knows I brew for competition. That's where I find my enjoyment. Right. Um, this year, there's no competition, so I haven't uh, brewed much. Um, my heaviest, you know, I've I brewed maybe, I think at, at the, the peak was like 50, um, 50 to 60 batches in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I'm down to like uh, one to two batches a month. I think Brian's kicking my ass.
1: Uh, <laughs> I think probably. I'm on, I'm, I was just looking at my spreadsheet. I think I'm on 33... This year, five gallon batches. So, yeah. Uh, hey,
2: so, we, I,
1: we, and we can't drink it all. So, I mean, we, I think Jason's like this Do We We brew more to give it away. More to give it away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we we enjoy the process and the experimentation, yeah. you know, as much as we enjoy the drinking it, you know. And then, and, and, yeah, yeah. you know,
2: get, you
1: know, it, that's a... Yeah. I saw all
0: your, uh, your Glint Crap awards. And, um, I was gonna ask about that. I, was I gonna don't ask if you
2: kept metal yet. that um, we'll one that one's, that one's coming <laughs> yeah, we coming. we participate, and you know, probably you know historically have have should have participated more, um but you know, quite frankly, you know on the growth that we've been on and just how busy it's been, and you know kind of running this farm as well you know sometimes we get kind of caught up in our own craziness and and you know we need to make sure we, we're we're participating in more of this stuff but you know the people love what we do and you know it shows through kind of our growth and um but you know i love those competitions and cidercon if you ever get a chance to go it's got a great you know I, you know hopefully this you know will be great opportunity for homebrewers and big cider makers and everyone to get together and it's such a small it's a much smaller group you know community um and it's great because you can really get to know people very quickly um from all over the country in the cider space so i'd recommend checking it out if you you know if you guys ever get the opportunity it's in chicago so it's not like yeah
0: no that's cool i i know brian and i we 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 we've gone farther for (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, before before we go too farther, I I didn't open it yet. Um, but I have Rainbow Seeker. I just opened Triple Jam. Yep. Uh, but but this Kinder series, Kinder Cider series, yeah. You have like three of those. What can you tell us about that program?
2: Yeah. So, um, so that started. You know, one of the big things that my dad and my family has always been very you know into is philanthropy. Um, you know, we work with local food banks. And- Production or stuff that's bad in the fields. So you know, we originally had a had a seasonal skew. I didn't love the seasonal skew because it always seemed to like you know be out of you know by the time you got it out there, it was already time to think about the new one. I just really didn't like how that how that played with um, you know kind of kind of the seasons. I, I thought it didn't leave you with enough you know opportunity to um, you know kind of kind of keep a product on longer. So you know, kind of with the philanthropy aspect in mind and wanting to redo how we look at our seasonals. And we came up with the kinder cider series, which, you know, partners itself with different organizations and different philanthropic efforts. um, And we donate, I think, you know, last year we donated just under a hundred thousand dollars to the three, to the various, you know, yeah. The the various groups that we're working with, you know, this year is no different. Um, So obviously he had the rainbow seeker. That's. Mm community uh you know through the national hotline uh been great partners there we have um fido which is um a hop cider uh that we do in support of pets for patriots um that's releasing right now um and pets for patriots um you know pairs sheltered um you know uh homeless animals with you know vets so it's a really really cool program Uh, um something that you know you know you know, the whole group is super behind. And then, you know, we have St. Cherie, which is our, actually the federal next, which is our bourbon barrel aged cherry hard cider. Um, And we partner with the empowerment plan um, out of Detroit. And, you know, they're a huge, they're an amazing nonprofit started by Veronica Scott, a friend of mine. And, um, you know, basically they work to end the cycle of homelessness by employing, um, the homeless to make clothes for the homeless so thing she's that she does I partnered with Carhartt um, and so we just wanted to get more involved in local community and local efforts um, and and have you know something that you know one of the great things about about the beer industry about the cider industry is you know it brings people together um, and that's I think something that we all kind of can kind of relate to with that and I think that you know, this was just a way to kind of take that even beyond just the the drinking community and something that we're passionate about um, and, and want to instill as our values as a company. So, um, you know, really proud of it. It's, it's a great, it's a great skew. It's, it's a great product line. Um, and um, Rainbow Seeker is amazing. And, and this is by far my favorite, one of our favorite ciders that we've so, yeah, be distributed. It is, it is. Cool. So you find this in, you know, in any of your local retailers in season, this one launches November uh, through February. And um, FIDO will be September number, basically. So tomorrow. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll keep my eyes <laughs> out because
0: uh, the, the Cherry Bourbon Barrel Cider really, really sounds amazing. There's, um, there's a smaller cidery over here called Cranes. I don't know if you've heard of that. Oh,
2: yeah. I know them very well.
0: Yeah. And uh, I was at one of their, I think I was at their 100th birthday party. And they had a, uh, a bourbon barrel. Uh, I think it was a bourbon barrel cherry. It was phenomenal. So uh, yeah, if you're yeah. doing that in cans, I'm really looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, I know those guys very well. It's it's so crazy, you know, in the industry. It's like cider such a small, tight-knit community. So, um, you know, showing support for any of them is showing support for all of us. So, um, yeah, just appreciate you going out and visiting your local cider mill and your local cidery. And, you know, it's it's really, it, it's cool because the people who are in it are, the people who care about being close to the earth. They care about trying to make a product you know, from fruit and that's a hard do. Um, so, you know, you guys making your animal, annual trip out to the cider mill means a lot. It's historically how we've gotten by every year was making that annual pil- pilgrimage out. So, um you know, hopefully everyone will get to do that again this
0: year. Yeah, no, it's it's coming. I know um, we've got some a couple local cider mills that they even do deals with homebrewers. You know, if we bring our buckets, we get a discount. And, uh, exactly. uh, and we talk about it in the club a lot. And, um, you know, I know we're all homebrewers, but I think all of us really enjoy making. Uh, yeah. And- yeah,
2: and I think I would just ask that, you know, it's fun to explore the varietal aspect of it. it, it it's fun to explore. The you know I guess yeah you know, pushing the limits of the graft world the beer the you know the nuances of beer and cider you know you can really go the wine route so have fun with it explore it it's still being you know kind of I guess you know what um, is still being kind of identified and 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 figured out so you know feel free to explore it and, and help us figure it out so
1: have a uh, speaking of exploration and and I don't know if I've ever really heard anything like this. So, so, you know, like the, the whole sour beer trend and mixed fermentation, you know, sort of thing is, has been going on for, for quite a while. Um, And uh, a lot of uh, blenderies and and breweries, you know, are starting to experiment with like bacteria and stuff like that. Um, Is is something like that like possible with cider? Like, I know, I know, like all the, what, what does cider mostly comprised of like a, um, for sugar, it's oh. Um... Here
0: comes my uh, bright guy. The
1: no, I Don't actually. No, I can't yeah. remember. It's it's not. So beers beers a lot of maltose and stuff like that. Well, it's mostly fructose then, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I know some bacteria consumes like fructose and like puts out like really funky, weird, not good flavors. But like, is that anything that you guys have like thought about doing or have you done a sour cider? Like like a, like a sour cider. Like not that cider isn't tart already, but.
2: Yeah. I mean, so that's kind of the, that's kind of the, you know, the interesting part is it's kind of already on the balance depending on what you do with it. But yeah, you can definitely, you know, explore it on the sour in the sour sense of the word, um, just like, you know, you can on the beer side and you can really kind of get really funky with it. And you know, a lot, a lot of that you can get just through native, you know, fermentations, you get a lot just off the native fermentation. So, you know, if you were to press apples and just let them sit, you know, you a good chance you'll get a decent amount, all the funk you want out of it, and this or with it
0: as well. So, do you guys have any? So, Blake's has been growing. I mean, since 2013, when you talked to your dad and uncle into yeah. doing the brewery, you've also started the or the cidery. You've done the brewery. You've done more of the uh, the food, right? The the retail. Um, do you have any other plans? Are there any other big steps that you're going to be taking? Are you you guys going into distilling or?
1: brandy yeah yeah um, that's where i was going yeah
2: i mean, <laughs> I mean yeah I, I mean apple brandy's always been a, a thing that i thought like a you know obviously there's the Calvados and that that, that um hail from across the pond and you know obviously that's always a, you know very much um you know interested us as something to explore but you know we have i think a lot to continue to do on um, the Blakes Hard Cider side of things, um, continue to grow keep up with our, you know, and keep innovating and improving. So I think just continuously doing better. Um one of our locations is opening up a disc golf course next year. That'll be great. Cool. Nice. um so that'll be sweet. Um, you know, we're looking at another location in Michigan, so four locations.
0: So you talked about disc golf. I'm sorry if I interrupted you. The
2: Grimish area
0: uh so you you're talking about disc golf oh, you yeah, guys right. already har um you already grow hemp right are you going to break into the new michigan industry
2: <laughs> uh, um you know yeah, great uh, you know it's kind of like you know i would say yes to a lot more but the the, <laughs> you know, the beauty of it is is you know the hard cider company has been growing so fast it's it's you know it's a job in itself just keeping up with that and you know, and I'm really thoroughly enjoying that. And there's so much more I want to do, we want to do with the hard cider side. Um, implementing a proper barrel program that's really starting to explore, you know, kind of the wine side of cider, if you will. Um, you know, there's a whole kind of exploration there that we want to lead and communicate and get people excited about. So there's so much within the cider umbrella that we want. Yes, they focus on, on, you know, continuously being the, you know, the craft cider of the country. You know, that's our goal, to communicate that across you know, the entire country and educate people on it. So, you know, we have to make sure that we're living up to that. And so we get our hands full at that, but you know, if, if we get a spare moment, definitely some, some Apple brandies on the horizon.
1: I, I had a, a question that was like, you know, what what do you think is going to be like the five-year outlook for like the cider industry in general? But I feel like you've sort of continuously answered that like throughout the entire show. Like, you guys are obviously like pushing for education and stuff like that. Um, I mean, it's huge. I think that's great. That's huge.
2: Yeah. There's just so much to explore and learn. Um, It's such a, it's got such a unique history, you know, it's mythological apples, you know, I mean, there's, there's so much, it goes back to so deep. Um, And, and so we have our work cut out to do it, but you know, cider is going to continue to grow. If we, if we keep our head down, work hard, and continue to try to be the best versions of ourselves, I, I really think you know the national cidery in the country can be here in Michigan, and I think it can be us. So you know, that's kind of our aspiration, the goals, and we want stewards for anyone interested in cider. So you know anyone who wants to learn and wants to start their own cidery, we want to help, and we want to be supporting because oh, you know, yeah. we're I mean- Farmers yeah. first. Huh? So.
1: What's what's good for the, what, I mean, yeah, what's good for the industry is good for you guys, obviously, like, for sure.
2: Exactly. So.
1: So, a- Andrew, before we, we wrap up here, I'm going to go through our
0: last questions. It looks like, let's bring this in. Brandon Edwards, another homebrew member in the club, a great brewer. Um, so he's asking, you know, do you think uh, apples are strongly affle- uh, infl- affected by the, I'm gonna have another cider. <laughs> apples are strongly affected by the territory where they're grown, like hops. So, do do you think there's a, a regional variation in a apples? Question. Like, do you, do know, you know, have, a like have a good
2: thing going? Yeah, I, it's a great question, and I think I'd love to um, be able to answer that with more, you know, detail. But what I can say is, I think so far I've not experienced that, but I believe to be true especially when you start really expanding the range of apples that you can get. So I guess my, my case being there's a lot of apples that grow in Michigan well and grow also in, in, in New York and grow, grow in Oregon. Um, but there's also apples that grow well in Arizona and New Mexico. Um, And so I have not had the opportunity to explore those other areas and really compare, but I would say on the similar parallels, and I think that's really what it comes down to is, you know, what parallel um, is that, you know, what, whatever, latitude, I guess, Um, (laughs) you know, where you're at, I've only been able to compare, you know, kind of New York, Michigan, and kind of Pacific Northwest apples. Um, so and I haven't been able to really tease out a ton, but those are also with some basic varieties. So, you know, what I would say is I think in your exploration, you would find that to be true um, and, and, and definitely kind of unique. And I guess to the extent that you look at Spain as an example, you know, much hotter climate. Um, and, and you look at kind of how they do cider, very acidic, very different. And the apples have a different, you know different kick to them so i i I do believe it to be true but i can't say i've fully experienced it in my own cider making experience yet variety to variety you know yeah yeah. right on
1: so you mentioned hops um and and fido that's the that's the dry hop cider is that right correct so so even bearing that like a cider in mind like what what hops do you think blend really well with like like most ciders like what, what are your favorites you
2: know, that's a great question, and we don't have the answer to that yet. We've, yeah. we've, we've okay. played around, you know, Chinook um, is, is kind of a, an easy go-to. You know, we use a lot of Chinook, um, you know, I think primarily, you know, we've played with that in a lot of our ciders. But, um, you know, I think that that's a, a, an evolving question for us. Um, and really the thing is, is it's hard with cider because, we're you know, we're trying to blend an already kind of, I don't want to say tart, but, um, you know, you kind of have um, already a base of tartness, and you're kind of trying to, you know, add some bitterness to it. Yeah, and how- yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's very, very delicate as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, I'd say kind of the less intrusive the better, at least from my palate, when you're trying to, you know, when you're trying to kind of blend a hop in there. So, um, you know, I think sure. something light and that that uh, isn't overly power, you know, overpowering more of a, you know, a subtle than a, than an in-your-face hop addition <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. it's probably the way to go. it's probably the way to go with it um you know not not scare people away but you know it's still i think that's a whole part of sighting that's still up for exploration and, and you know i don't claim that necessarily have all the best answers for that
1: yeah,
0: yeah so so do you guys have any uh anything big coming up the rest of this year, I know COVID kind of puts a damper on a lot of shit, but is there anything special coming for Blake's?
2: Yeah, we got we got a bunch of um, exciting stuff. So we have, um, you know, obviously we've got expand, expanded distribution um, of a lot of our products. So hopefully our products will be more easily found um, wherever you may be listening from. Um, we are um, diving into our first packaged and distributed beer product, our cinnamon donut stout. Um, which you know, I think of that area. Um we a lot of unique time at the tasting room. Um, you know, we have a we have a Spanish style C coming out um that'll be um poured in traditional porons, which is the big long pour. Um so that'll be a cool experience at the tasting room. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, so so there's gonna be a couple a lot of you know, COVID's allowed us to kind of dive into some really kind of fun <clears throat> fun projects. For our different retail and tasting room locations, and so we're really excited to express those this fall, and you know, hopefully, get back to, you know, kind of uh, a semblance of normal. See, you know, moving into 2021, but we have a lot of big plans for 2021, and so stay tuned because you know, you will be seeing more from us. You know, you know
0: there's uh, plenty of room over here on the west side. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Please.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, wait, wait.
1: Uh, Kal- Kalamazoo. Calmazoo is It's a great city. <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: So
0: well, I I can't I can't thank you enough for hanging out with us for the last hour and a half
2: and uh and
0: telling us your story. We made uh, you talk was, a lot, man. Yeah, uh, thank you. <laughs> it was super awesome.
2: Thank you guys. I I uh, I had a blast and you know, had to come b- back on and talk shop anytime. So, thanks for having me. I just really appreciate it.
0: Awesome. I, I, yeah thanks thanks so much uh, this this is great uh i've worked
1: my way through seven different blake ciders uh, cheers, cheers. all right all right cheers guys have a good night all thank you right. for joining us nice. yep.